the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So I want to say humility is that virtue that uh, once you think you've got it, you've lost it. I mean, it is tough. What will keep us going when we don't feel like being servants? When we don't feel like stooping? When we don't feel like humbling ourselves? We're going to learn from Jesus what kept him going. And though he had no sin, he was still tempted to sin. Legitimate temptation. And so whatever kept Christ going to humble himself and not exalt himself is the same thing for us. How and why we ought to be humble is our subject today on Verse by Verse. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us in a series of lessons on the topic of church unity. We are going to continue to consider this relationship between humility and harmony in our churches as we continue Pastor Steve's fourth message from Philippians chapter 2. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes are an adaptation to radio of his messages, and they are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. Singer Joan Baez is quoted to have said, I've never had a humble opinion. I've got an opinion. Why be humble about it? Well, let's begin our class now, and we'll think about why we should be humble, not only about our opinions, but about ourselves. Here is Pastor Steve. Now, the Bible speaks of three heavens. We get this from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says, speaks of three heavens. The first heaven we would call the atmosphere, the second heaven we would call outer space, and the third heaven is the abode of, of God. The abode of God. Now, believers go to the abode of God, but Jesus Christ is promoted far greater than any believer. Why? Because when the Lord Jesus rose again and then ascended 40 days later, he didn't just stop in heaven. He didn't just arrive. He went to the, to the abode of God, the third heaven, and you know what God the Father said? Sit down at my right hand. I have a place for you. A place of exaltation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory, speaking of the Son, and the exact representation of his nature, and uphold all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, that is to say, when he died, when he finished the humiliation, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Where is Jesus Christ today? He's in an exalted place. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high. When he arrived in heaven, God the Father said, Come to the throne room. I have a throne prepared for you, an exalted place, a place of highest honor and authority and rulership and recognition. In fact, he's recognized that way. And in this day and age, the focus is on the Son, not the Father. We don't want to neglect the Father. We, don't, we certainly don't want to neglect the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God's ministry is to exalt Jesus. The focus is on the Son. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, speaking of the power by which he did certain things, when he raised him from the dead, he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, seated him at at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. You understand that? God the Father doesn't have that. He has given all authority to the Son. That's why Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go and preach the gospel. All authority. In the distribution of authority and and rulership amongst the Trinity, Jesus Christ is now preeminent. God the Father has given him that. Now, you must understand Paul's point. You must understand Paul's point in telling that God has highly exalted the Son. The point is that Christ didn't exalt himself. God the Father did. And that's the principle we need to apply to ourselves. Don't exalt yourself. Evangelical churches and organizations are filled with people who seek to be exalted, who want to be recognized, who want a place of authority. They are status seekers. They are pyramid climbers in and out of the church. Remember, Paul is really dealing with the problem of unity and harmony. And you never have unity and harmony when you've got people who want exalted places of recognition. We compete with one another over who gets the highest place of recognition. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 23. I'd mark a place in Matthew because we'll be turning back there. Matthew chapter 23, Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees. It's, it's a woe chapter, woe upon the Pharisees. Those religious leaders in Israel who love to be recognized by men. Now the reason I want you to see this is because it is so prevalent in evangelical churches today. People wanting to be exalted and wanting to be recognized. Matthew chapter 23, verse 6. And we'll get back here, but just for now, verse 6. And then verse 12. And they, speaking of the Pharisees, they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues. And Jesus said in verse 12, And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. The Pharisees craved the honor of the best seats at feasts. They wanted to sit next to the, uh, uh, the host. They wanted the guest of honor. They wanted to be recognized, seated at the table of honor. We would call that the dais today. In front of everybody. And at their synagogue, they had platforms like we have in churches, and they wanted to be up on those platforms and be with the men who read the scriptures and be with the men who prayed. And they wanted everyone to look at them and and recognize them as being supreme and and the guests of honor. You think, uh, is it wrong to be on a platform? Is it wrong to be at the head seat? Not necessarily, but it's wrong to crave that. It's wrong to want to be there for recognition. It's wrong to seek those places of honor for the reason of exalting yourself in the eyes of people. Then it's wrong. Then it's wrong. Let's look at Luke chapter 14. Same theme. Luke chapter 14, verse 1. And it came about when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread that they were watching him closely and then jumped down to verse 7. And he began speaking a parable to the invited guests when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table, saying to themselves, when you, uh, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you may have been invited by him. And he who invited you Both shall come and say to you, give place to this man, and then in disgrace you proceed to occupy the last place. But when you're invited, Jesus said, go and recline at the last place. 
so that when the one who has invited you comes, he may say to you, friends, move up higher. Then you'll have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. All of us, all of us struggle with selfishness. That Congregationalist preacher Henry Ward Beecher once said, Selfishness is that detestable vice which no one will forgive in others and no one is without in himself. It's very easy for us to condemn the Pharisees and say, What hypocrites! What hypocrites! And yet we have those same selfish, status-seeking Pharisee in all of us. How we want to be exalted how we want to be recognized by our peers, how we want to be looked upon as great and honored and respectful, respected and, and successful and spiritual. Why do you think, why do you think that there are certain churches that have on their buses big letters with words like this, world's largest Sunday school? Think about that. Why would you put that on your bus? You know why? So you look good in the eyes of people. So you get bigger. Why do you think many pastors and church members want their church to increase in size? Not necessarily because they care about the spiritual welfare of the people, though there's an element there. Why do you think they debate over the greatest church so they can tell their friends, we're number one? We've got more people than you. The Muhammad Ali complex, we're the greatest. You see, we like to be number one. We like to be the hot dog, the top hot dog. But Jesus Christ never aimed at being exalted. Never would Jesus say, world's largest synagogue or something like that. Never. Never aimed at being exalted. He stooped to wash feet and to die for us. That's, that's what Paul is saying. And you know what I have to ask? I have to ask myself, what will keep me going? At being humble, it is a struggle to try to be to try to be a servant. In fact, you can become proud of being humble. You know that. Someone has said humility is that virtue that uh, once you think you've got it, you've lost it. I mean, it is tough. What will keep us going when we don't feel like being servants? When we don't feel like stooping? When we don't feel like humbling ourselves? Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve. Now you should know where Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, because we're going to learn from Jesus what kept him going. And though he had no sin, he was still tempted to sin, legitimate temptation. And so whatever kept Christ going to humble himself and not exalt himself is the same thing for us. Verse 1, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, and these are those who have gone before us, the men and women of faith of chapter 11, surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He speaks here, the writer speaks about a race. This isn't a, a recreational race. This is a marathon. The Greek word is uh, agon, from which we get our word agony. This is an agony race. This is a marathon. This is a race that never seems to end. And the only way you're going to finish a race like this is to look forward to something at the end of the race. What did Jesus look forward to? Two things. The joy that was set before him. 
the exaltation, and also sitting down at the right hands of the majesty on high. That's the great motive for us. That's what keeps you going. That's why you need to humble yourselves and continue to do that, because we know that exaltation awaits us at the end of the race. The race is the Christian life. This is, the, this is God's reward. It is not heaven. Heaven is not a reward. Heaven is a gift. This is a reward for plodding ahead and humbling yourself. The reward of future exaltation. And what is that? It is reigning with Christ. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff from Verse by Verse Radio. I want to take a few minutes to let you know how pleased I am that you're listening to this ministry. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they can be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify Him. And from what we're hearing, that's what's happening in the lives of those who are listening. One of the great desires of my heart is to make the Word of God clear so that people can understand what God means by what He says. And basically, Based on the input that we're getting from our listeners, that's exactly what's being accomplished. Now, as a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. We appreciate it, and we do need it. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please prayerfully consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax-deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Once again, thanks. Thanks for giving to this ministry and for supporting it, and may the Lord richly bless you, strengthen you, as you listen to him speak through his word, verse by verse. We have just seen that heaven is a gift, but we will have rewards in heaven, and one of them is that we will rule with Christ. Here is Pastor Steve to continue that thought. In First Timothy, rather Second Timothy two twelve, Paul writes, "If we endure, we shall also reign with him." And throughout the book of Revelation, we see that we will reign with him. He who overcomes will reign with him. May I suggest to you that your capacity to reign in the kingdom would seem to depend upon your humility now. If you don't humble yourself now, while the promises that you will reign with him, I want to suggest to you without being able to to pull out one specific verse, but just sort of trying to tie things together. If you don't humble yourself now while you'll reign with him, I don't think that it will be of the same capacity of others. Others will be exalted more than you. But if you humble yourself now, great places of exaltation. Jesus said the last will be first. First will be last. Lift yourself up, God will push you down. Put yourself down, God will lift you up. So the Father gave Christ an exalted place. Not only that, he also gave him an exalted name. Verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2 goes on to say, and bestowed on him, that is to say he graciously gave him this, he bestowed on him the name which is above every name. God has given the Lord Jesus Christ a name that is above every single name in the universe. An exalted name, but it isn't the name Jesus. The Lord Jesus, the name Jesus is a wonderful name. We have songs about that name. We love that name. But it's not the exalted name. How do we know that? 
Well, Jesus is not such a special name. There are many people named Joshua. That's the name Jesus. Many Spanish people named Jesus. It's the name Jesus. That's really not an exalted name. That's a name of humiliation. You remember in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, the angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. This is a name that he gets because of his humiliation, not at his humiliation. This is an exalted name. Want to know what it is? Look at verse 11. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what his new name is? Lord. Jehovah. Lord. God. Master. Supreme. That's his new name. That's his new name. God the Father gave him this name. You say, well, what's so special about a name? Well, isn't that what Juliet asked? What's in a name? And you know, in our day and age, a name doesn't mean a whole lot. A, a name is just one thing that we, uh, just a way that we label each other so we can tell each other apart. We can call each other by names. But in biblical usage, a name spoke of the character of a person. In biblical usage, a name was uh, often changed of a person to reflect a special point in their life. For instance, Abram's name was changed to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, all to reflect a special point in, in redemptive history and in their lives, to reflect something special about them. And the change, and God changed the name of Jesus to reveal his exalted character, to reveal something special about him. He's got an exalted character. He's got an exalted name. And that new name is Lord. Lord is that exalted name. He is Lord. And it identifies Jesus Christ as the sovereign, supreme one of the universe. Now, he has always been Lord. But this is now his official name. God has made it official. He has always been God. He has always been Lord. But now it becomes official. I read in the pastoral prayer, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the apostle Peter preached this. He said in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, or Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. This humiliated one is now made officially Lord. Why? Because of his humiliation. He is Lord. Now understand that Jesus didn't grab for this title. Jesus did not grab for it. Jesus did not seek it. The Father gave it to him as a reward for humble service. Today we, we reach for names and titles of exaltation. It goes on all the time in evangelical circles. And there's, it's nothing new. The Pharisees did it, and so we have this issue addressed. Let's look back at Matthew 23 again. I told you we'd get back there, and we, we are. Matthew 23, verse 7. Pharisees had a lot of problems, and, and the, by virtue of the fact that we can relate to their problems tells us that the church isn't in too hot a shape. Matthew chapter 23, verse 7. Remember, we spoke about how they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues. And Jesus went on to say in verse 7, And respectful greetings in the marketplaces, and being called by men, Rabbi. But do not, he said, be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, and you are all brothers, and do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. What's he saying? These men like to be addressed and greeted by formal titles. They wanted to be called rabbi. You might think, well, why is that such a big deal? Doesn't that mean teacher? Technically, it means just teacher. But in our Lord's day, to call someone rabbi didn't just mean teacher. 
It meant exalted one, superior one. It, it would be equivalent to our saying, your excellency. That's what rabbi meant. The connotation of it, not just the dictionary meaning. Technically, yes, rabbi, but that wasn't how it was received. Uh, most exalted holy one. That's, that's the thought. Supreme one. Superior one. Say, well, we don't do that. We don't, we're not into calling anybody rabbi. No, but we like honorary doctorates, don't we? Sure, and we like to earn doctor's degrees so we can have that title. Men would address us, holy reverend doctor, humble servant type thing. Superior foot washer, you know, that, that type of thing. Elevated above others. Call me doctor, and in fact, call me doctor, doctor. Is there anything wrong with being, uh, being a doctor? Certainly not. Is there anything wrong with having that title? No. But it's wrong to want that title to be elevated above others who don't have that title. That's what he's saying. There is only one true rabbi, only one true excellent one, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying, only one. No one is superior to anyone else in the church. We're all equal. That's why he said, notice that in verse 8. Do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. You're all brothers. Don't exalt a spiritual leader above you. Don't exalt Christian leaders and pastors above you. Show them respect, certainly, but don't think that they're any more special than you are. And then he said, and, and don't call one another father. And do I have to speak about that? I have to say that, and yet there's a whole group within Christendom that says, call me father. Because Jesus went on to say, don't call anyone on earth your father. For, and he's not saying about daddy now. He's not talking about that. He's saying, don't look to anybody as the source of your life, because God is your father. One is father who is in heaven. And then he said, don't call anyone leader or master. For one is your leader, one is your master. The point is, don't look for a title to be exalted above others. I mean, I'm telling you, people are going crazy in evangelical circles about that. In fact, I had someone recently tell me, listen, I know of a lot of big-name speakers. I know we can get an honorary doctorate or, or an earned doctorate. Just go this place, and, and you work for it a little bit, and they'll, they'll give it to you. I won't even mention the names. If I mention the names, you most of you would know the people who have these. Now, I'm not saying their motives are wrong. I don't know their motives. I'm just saying we live in a world that wants to be recognized, wants that title, wants that respect. And the point that Paul is making is a true servant doesn't pursue lofty titles and names to impress others. He doesn't. It's as simple as that. He doesn't. I remember my friend Marv Rosenthal speaking on a tape once. I think it was on Romans. He said he, he is always embarrassed when someone introduces him as Dr. Rosenthal. For one thing, he said, I'm not a doctor. Marv never even finished seminary. He said, I, I can't imagine Moses or Paul wanting to be introduced that way. How does Paul introduce himself? Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Was Paul a learned man? Absolutely. Did Paul have titles coming out of his ears? Absolutely. Paul, a bondservant. On our next Verse by Verse, we will think some more about this nearly universal desire for recognition and honor. Thank you for joining us today for another Verse by Verse radio Bible class. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is teaching from Chapter 2 of Philippians about church unity. Today's lesson was the middle of a three-part message titled, The Exaltation of Christ. 
It's sometimes helpful to hear the entire message at one time. If you would like to do that, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours so that you can order an audio CD. Our number again is 727-441-1714. We are on the web at versebyverseradio.org. We have a growing collection of audio files, including today's program. Please feel free to listen online or download any class for later listening or to share with a friend. If you give a copy away, we only ask that you please do not charge anything for it. While you're visiting the website, check out our free podcasting service. That's at versebyverseradio.org. Do you feel like you are underutilized in your church? Perhaps you know you could make great contributions, but no one recognizes your potential. The Lord recognizes it, and He also sees your limitations and shortcomings. It's not the church leadership holding you back, it's the Lord. Be patient, and you will be rewarded. Jesus set the ultimate example for us of patience, humility, and spectacular results. Join us for the next verse-by-verse to hear Pastor Steve apply the example of Christ to our lives in order to preserve unity in our churches. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.